0: Hi everyone. Welcome to our weekly uh, podcast or video, whichever way you're listening to or watching this. Uh, it's great to be here with Rosh this evening. We're on a it's Tuesday evening here at Hope Chapel in a lovely sunny day. Uh, I've just done a workout. Roche has been at, at work. I'll ask him about that in a minute. And we're starting a new series looking at who is Jesus. So in our recent series, we've been in the, um, we've been in Genesis. We've been looking at, at Genesis and Alice has been taking us through that. We've been looking at sort of theme of kingdom community, and earlier in the year we were looking at one of the letters in the New Testament, James. And so we've done some Old Testament, we've done a bit of thematic uh, Bible, we've done some uh, New Testament letters, and we're coming now into the Gospel of John. So one of the four biographies of Jesus, written by his close friend John. I won't say too much, but we're still in the his thunder. thunder. Um, but uh, I'm just really excited, and isn't it you know to be having some time focusing on Jesus? I don't know if you've ever spent much time in, in the Old Testament. Some of you might have done. some of you may have never read the Old Testament. But um, but it's a, it's a thing, if you, if, if you were to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament, then it's, it's such a relief when you finally get to the New Testament and you start reading about Jesus. It's, it, it, it's wonderful. It's, it's, he is who we're all about. He is the hope. He is the life. He is the one who came to earth and died and rose from the dead. And, and Christianity, the gospel, life... Centers around Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we just, and He's the, He's the beginning and the end and we start with Him. And, uh, uh it, it's wonderful. So, it, so it's exciting to have, uh, these next few weeks we're going to be looking at who is Jesus and who is He from, um, uh, from the Gospel of John, from the biography of John in, in the Bible. So I'm going to invite Rosh to come and step this side of the camera. And, um, Rosh,
1: how was your day? How was your Tuesday? Uh, Tuesday was very busy, lots of meetings. It's still a virtual world. So, uh, you know, just constant meetings from morning to evening. But, but it's not too bad. We've just got our garden done. So I, I took little breaks to do a little bit of planting. You know, it just rejuvenates me, takes a little bit of stress. Yep. And uh, here we are.
0: Great. And what's your work?
1: Uh, work is basically I, I work in audit. I'm an audit manager. So uh, basically, take care of a lot of clients, lots of meetings. I have a few teams that work for me, so uh you know it's it's all decks on hand. It's quite it's quite busy at the moment.
0: Yep, yep. Great. Thanks, Rosh. Well, we pray, Lord, that as Rosh speaks and we're expectant and we're excited because we know that you're good and you love to speak to us, and we pray that you open our eyes to discover you afresh, as we look at John. Amen.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Right, so today we are going to talk about the Gospel of John. Uh, but before that, for those of you who might not know me, my name is Rosh, and I am a part of the church, and I've been coming here for five years, six years now. So uh, I love this church, love the people, uh, I love the pastors. It's just an amazing place to build community, and and you know, life centers around Jesus, and that is what we're going to talk about in this series. Uh, we're going to talk about who is Jesus. And uh, to do that, today, we're going to focus on the first chapter of the Gospel of John. In fact, it's not even the first chapter, it's actually the first verse. Because um, in that first verse in the Gospel of John, it is so deceptively simple, but it's also the most complex thing that you'll ever have to ponder. Um, I always tell myself, if someone came to me and asked or told me, I've never read the Bible but I would like to read one book which one would I recommend? I would always recommend the Gospel of John because the Gospel of John is a bit different to the other three Gospels so every Gospel, even though it chronicles the life of Jesus they all have specific purposes for example, the Gospel of Matthew it's actually it's a very keen interest writing to the Jews because there's a lot of talk about the Kingdom of God there's a lot of reference to what was there in the Old Testament. Uh, Luke, for example, he was a doctor. So he was very prescriptive. He was very prescriptive in the way he wrote about where Jesus went, what Jesus walked, how people did. But John, he has only one purpose. In this his entire gospel, his only purpose is to reveal the deity of Jesus Christ. Throughout this gospel, over and over again, he reminds the readers of who Jesus really is. And and it's that, that staggering truth. That life-changing, infinitely wisdom. That infinite wisdom that pours through us as Christians. As we comprehend or we understand who Jesus is. Because that is the center, the epicenter of our life. Because once we get a glimpse of who he is, our world is not the same. And, jo- and John, he realized this. Um, and so, he wrote this gospel... Actually, he wrote this Gospel around 30 years after the other Gospels. So Matthew, Mark and Luke, they're called the Synoptic Gospels. Because they were written like 30 years after Jesus' crucifixion. But the Gospel of John was written 30 years later. There's a good reason for it. If you read church history, uh, there was a time when people were starting to question, who is Jesus? There were a lot of false teachers. People were like, is Jesus God? Is he an angel? Is he like some sort of half and half? Uh, and and John having walked and eaten and seen and experienced Jesus and having seen him die and rise rise again and ascend up to heaven, having been received that divine inspiration and through the Holy Spirit knowing who God is and who Jesus is, he wrote this gospel exclusively so that the reader can comprehend the deity of Jesus Christ and that is hopefully what we can discuss uh, a bit today so let me just read the gospel of john chapter one verse one in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god i'm going to say that again in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god um when John is writing this, he's trying to tap in um, to a little bit of Jewish custom, but he's also, as he's writing this, he's writing this in Greek, right? So he's writing this in Greek because at that time the world was under the Roman Empire that obviously spoke in Greek. There's a lot of, uh, if you know Plato, Socrates, all of this, a lot of philosophical thoughts, and so he's trying to mirror both reasons because John is actually the first person. Who refers to Jesus as the word of God. We know that it when, when we read the first verse, we know that John is indeed referring to the word because at the end of the chapter, he actually says the word is flesh and that the word is Jesus Christ. He makes it very plain. And so, John was the first person to actually say that Jesus is the word. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So that first very simple statement, he's basically establishing three things. That Jesus was not created. Even though he was fully human, he existed before the beginning of creation. Even before the world was made, Jesus was there with God. Right? You know, a lot of people will argue, a lot of detractors of Christianity will argue that there is no proof of the Trinity in the Bible. You know, that is because the Bible does not actually use the word Trinity. God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But this verse, this verse is the beginning of the understanding, where John is revealing that God is His one divine being with three persons. The Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Because it says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And he also says that the word was God. So any Jewish reader, for example, if they read this verse, they would automatically go to Genesis 1. Because the Genesis 1 also says in the beginning. right? They, they know it just like that. And we also know reading the Old Testament that every time God spoke, God revealed his word when he revealed his word to the prophets they wrote it down when he revealed his word to Moses he led the Israelites When he revealed so the moment you read in the beginning was the word the Jewish contingent who might have been reading this immediately know that John is making a reference to the beginning of creation and he's trying to draw a link between the beginning and Jesus Christ. So this is the primary connection or the first connection uh, to Jewish custom and the Old Testament. Secondly, John wrote this gospel in Greek because at that time uh, uh, Israel and a big chunk of the world was under Roman civilization or Roman occupation. And Greek was the word, or Greek was the language that everyone spoke. And so in Greek. The word that is used for word is Logos. You might have heard of this before, but in Greek, this word is actually this written or translated to say Logos. And Logos was actually a Greek concept to mean an impersonal principle of reason that gives order to the universe. Okay, I'm going to say that again. See how smart John is. Okay, he's a fisherman, I think, right? So imagine he could not have come up with this on his own. He could not have come up with this on his own unless he was divinely inspired by the Spirit. So as he is making the connection to his Jewish audience, and he's writing this to the Gentiles and the wider world, the wider world that spoke Greek, he's trying to say this logos, what you deem to be an impersonal principle of reason that gives order to the universe. John is trying to say that this Logos, that you think is impersonal, that you think is his big force. I know him in the flesh. If you go later in the verse, in verse 14 he says, and the word became flesh. Or so it says, Logos became flesh. I think that's staggering. For me that's staggering. The fact that he could just draw that connection. And try and say this, this impersonal force, that gives logic, that gives order to the world john tapped into that thought and he told to the greek speaking population of that time that this is not a, that this is not just a force of nature this is a person and that person is jesus christ and that really is the crux who is jesus is simple jesus is god god who existed before the beginning of time So before there was life in this world, before there was shape and meaning, before the plants and the trees and humans, everything that was created, Jesus existed. Because in the beginning, he existed with God, and also, he was God. Now, if you're a Christian, you always struggle with the concept of Trinity. Because you're like, how is that possible? How is it possible that that god exists in three persons and i can never give a complete answer because it is it has to come from god but some of the things that i have read and some things i have experienced i'm just going to try and make a small small summary so to speak so all of creation exists within the confines of time and space right man can only move linearly One after the other. We can never go back in time. We all have the restraints of space, uh, gravity. You know, there are a lot more smarter people that talk about the theory of relativity. And the world is created with a lot of precision that requires human laws of physics and time to be in place. But God, He exists outside of the limits of space and time. Let me just try and say that again. God slash Jesus, exists outside of the space, of the limits of space and time. What does that mean then? That basically means then that human beings, right? A human being is one being and one person. Because that is how we were created. But God is one being and three persons. We know that God is the creator who created the universe. We also know that the sun was necessary which I will uh, elaborate on a little bit more. And we also know that the Holy Spirit existed before the beginning of creation. Because if you read Genesis, it says, the Spirit was hovering over the waters and helped to create the universe. And so Trinity is ultra complicated. We can spell a whole year actually just, just thinking about Trinity. But the only thing I would like to add is, In this world, there are so many strands of philosophy. There is new age, spirituality. There are so many different thoughts. But there is not a single thought that could have conjured this expression of a God that exists in three persons. It has not happened before. It cannot happen since. And it is this trinity that is the essence of our faith. And in this trinity... God existed before the creation of anything and everything in the form of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus Christ is not an angel. Because if he is an angel, if you read Psalms 8, uh, God says, uh, rather David exclaims that you created man little less than heavenly beings, right? And God is above that. And so Jesus cannot be a heavenly being or an angel. Jesus cannot be man, even though he was man. And that is the beauty of creation. Which is, I might be rambling, but I'm just going to try. (laughs) So all of creation was created with one purpose, to glorify God. But as we sinned in the the garden, and we have that, that premise set before us, we have sin that separates us. And all we have to do, or all of creation groans, because we need to be reconciled to God. Now to reconcile to God... You have to be without sin. And Bible also says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore someone who sinned could not have fulfilled the wrath of God's judgment. For that, God had to come in his own form. In the form of Jesus. Fully God. Fully man. Who was the only sinless person. To take on the wrath of mankind. So that we could forever be reconciled to God. Jesus says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And that is where we are. Whoever has seen an experience, not obviously we can't see him, but we, you know, in our, in our eye, in our heart, we have seen Jesus. We have seen the Creator. Because Jesus was the only blameless human who sacrificed, and he was a perfect sacrifice. Because he was able to take the wrath of man. And forever reconcile us to Yahweh, or God. And so the entire Old Testament, everything that the prophets, Moses, everything and all the prophecies that was made link up to Jesus. And everything since that is happening also points back to Jesus. In this world, there are lots of troubles. There are lots of problems. And we are all searching for answers. So if you are listening today, can I encourage that you maybe ask yourself, have I looked at Jesus for the answer? Because Jesus or John, John, John goes on to say that all things were made through Jesus and there was nothing that was made without him. In him, there is life. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth and the life. In this world, there aren't too many absolutes left anymore. Everything is relative. But this Bible, the Word of God, and the reality of Jesus Christ is absolute. There is no other way. Which is why the Bible is considered to be the divine inspiration of God. Because man cannot have come up with himself. You know, we can come up with lots of fanciful things. There are lots of cults and lots of thoughts that exists in the world but to think of a Trinitarian God that came up with the perfect sacrifice to reconcile God to man that had to be that has to be inspired from God himself and that is really the essence of today's talk who is, God? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the son of God but he's also God himself in the book of Hebrews It also goes on to say that in the Old Testament, God revealed himself through words, visions, dreams, all of that. But in the New Testament, all revelation is through Jesus, the word of God. And therefore, because now he has revealed Jesus Christ, there actually isn't need for too many other things. We can go back to the personhood of Jesus. And so John, just think about this, John saw that Jesus uh, was hungry. He felt angry. Maybe he was tired. Uh, he cried. He subjected himself to the limitations of space and time. Think about this: something that existed outside of creation, all powerful, all eternal, all encompassing, omnipotent, ruler of rulers. He existed outside of creation, and the most powerful that I can, the most powerful thing I can maybe imagine. He entered creation limited himself to the limits of time and space subject himself to humanity took on the shame and died for us on the cross it is a reality that jesus lived and that he died on the cross but the question only remains whether you believe he died for you and that is the question that i'm hoping to impress upon you today we can talk on and on and on about about this topic but the way I would like to end is, um, so so I come from a place called Kerala, right? I don't know if some of you know this Kerala in India, and Kerala is, you uh, know, uh, the the, uh, the legend is that uh, the the disciple Thomas he came to Kerala and he spread the word. There are a lot of people who heard it and uh, and took on this word and became Christians. And so if you read John again, it talks about the fact that when Thomas heard that Jesus Christ is resurrected, what did Thomas say? Until I see his, him in flesh, until I put my hand through the hole, I will not believe. And Jesus said, okay, touch my hand, feel, feel the nails. Once Thomas did that, he fell on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. It is that realization where it just clicked inside him. This man that I, was work, walking with over the last three years, who I ate with, who I hugged, who I spoke to, he is indeed the creator. And therefore, the only application I have today is I just encourage you to find your Thomas moment. Find a moment where you can also exclaim like Thomas, my Lord and my God. Uh, I'll, I'll give an example from my life. Uh, a few months ago, um, I was going through some ups and downs. I was feeling quite sad. In fact, I was feeling quite angry with God. Don't let's be honest. why not? And so I was, I was, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I was forcing myself not to pray, and I was feeling really distant. Um, and uh, one of these times, I just thought, let me just go for a run. Let's try and you know improve the mood because I was, I was quite low. So I went for a run near my house, and uh, I just reached a place where. You know, I'll have to take you guys there if you really want to see. But basically it's, it had a rolling hill and it was lightly raining. And the moment I just like thought about God and lifted my eyes, I could see like a rainbow across, uh, that hill. And the moment I saw that, right, it's just that glory of creation. I literally fell down and I cried. And I don't cry. I keep, I'm very stoic. I just fell down and cried. and said, my Lord and my God. And therefore you may go through happiness. You may go through sadness. You may be in misery. You may be in pain may be in gladness but the absoluteness of God still remains. God the creator through his son came into creation and died for us, so that we may forever be reconciled with him and that is the reality of Jesus and therefore as I try and end today my only plea to you is if you have never prayed the prayer or if you have never experienced that Thomas moment can I just say a quick prayer Just, just join in with me as we just pray that we come to that realization like Thomas, that we just in our heart we know my Lord and my God. So as I end today let me, just, uh, let me just quickly pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus thank you for this revelation. Thank you for your divine sacrifice. Thank you that you have created this world in all of its chaos and simplicity but you also made a way for us to come back to you. And it's through the Son, Jesus Christ. You existed before time, before creation. And you made a way for us to be reconciled back to you. Thank you for this ultimate mystery. Uh, We have pondered over it for 2,000 years and we will ponder probably for 2,000 more. But to those of us who may not have experienced Jesus like this, and to those of us who might have done it maybe not so recently, I pray that we find this time to just know in our heart that Jesus Christ indeed is the true Lord and Savior. I pray that we find that experience, like Thomas, we can exclaim with our heart, My Lord and my God. And Then Jesus Christ will turn to us and tell, Thomas, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who believe who have not yet seen. Therefore, I pray that prayer for all of us. And I pray for a blessing on you and your families today. In your most precious name I pray, Lord. Amen.